Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back to Layered Butter Season 2. It's not Fat Albert. It's Raph, one of your hosts for the Layered Butter Podcast. It's, uh, it's amazing to see everyone again or hear everyone. I, I guess I can't even see or hear you. But um, it's nice to be back into the interwebs. Uh, I'm joined by my, my good friends, um, Jordan and Rodrigo, um, who are our cohorts, or I guess castmates, I don't know, uh, are our good friends here at the Laird Butter Podcast. So welcome us back, uh, Jordan Rod. Hello. How's it going? Hello, hello. It's good to have you guys back and, uh, you know, uh, ramping up season two again. I do want to say that I think we do need to add a little bit of fanfare to the fact of something um, that you kind of uh, I know just I, kind, I of kind of played it down there. here. I know I slipped it in there. That the Layered Butter Podcast officially now has a, a third official co-host. I mean, Woo-hoo! not a not a new voice to the Layered Butter listeners, but definitely someone that we've enjoyed having. Uh, Jordan, thank you for joining us this season. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. I uh, did I think four episodes of the last season. Nice. Uh, cut my podcasting teeth, and now they're. Cut and ready to chomp. Uh, this analogy is getting away from me, but yeah. we'll, we'll be the judge of that one yeah. after this episode, Jordan. We'll see how you're doing. But yeah, welcome to the team officially, and um, uh, we're glad to have you. Now our duo has become a trio, and we're super excited to uh, make this happen. Right? The more, the merrier. Shall we get to it? Let's do it. Cool. Um, Rod, um, uh, in layered butter news, what do you got for us? I mean, it's been a while since we talked. And uh, for any new listeners or old listeners, uh, welcome back. But uh, we got some news for you. Yeah, so if you're just joining us in kind of the, the launch of Season 2 for the Layered Butter podcast, uh, it is a spinoff of the Layered Butter magazine, which is kind of, I guess, the, the main business. And so representing that business, let me give you some quick, small updates for, for the fans of the magazines or for those who may not know it. Uh, our Quentin Tarantino issue that, that was dedicated to, to the work of Quentin Tarantino is completely sold out. Uh, Our Christopher Nolan is nearly sold out. So if you are looking for that one, I would say uh, go on the website layeredbutter.com and purchase your issue as soon as possible because we are Mm -hmm. very, very close to selling out. Uh, James Bond is the third issue that we went to print with that is currently available in store. We're about halfway through all our stock, which is like really great for us. We're very excited. And we are happy to announce that we're pretty close to being able to go to print with Modern Horror. So if you haven't pre-ordered your issue yet, go to LairdButter.com, go to the store section and pre-order so you can guarantee yourself a copy at a reduced price. Once we do go to print, our price does go up slightly. Um, I guess just kind of calling out the, the fact that this is a podcast. So make sure to share this podcast if you're enjoying it or even if you don't love it, you know, make sure to share, uh, share it with all Bruh. your friends, people, your acquaintances, your neighbors, everyone uh, review it, rate it, you know, but if you are going to rate it, drive around your neighborhood, playing it out your car <laughs> with the windows down, top giant volume. boom box outside your crush's window. <laughs> yes. Play, play, play the podcast wherever you can review it, rate it, please rate it five stars only if you're going to rate it less than five stars. Just keep that. Don't to even yourself. bother. Don't bother. Yeah. We're going to delete it. No, I'm joking. No, but please do review and rate it, share it wherever possible. Yeah. That's all I have on my end. Rafa, back to you. Cool. Perfect. So, you know, Laird Butter is all about the movies. So why don't we talk movies? Um, this episode, I guess we're, we're getting back into things and, um, it's been a couple months ever since our special TIFF edition that we had maybe a, a month ago. But it's been a couple months since we've actually, you know, sat down and talked about what we've been watching, what we've missed, and what are what is going on with the film world. So let's dive into the pre-show before we get into the nitty-gritty. Um, some local, well, not local news, some big news, I guess, in the movie world. Um, there was a film that came uh, that was being filmed. A film that was being. 
uh, Rust, which is a American Western starring Alec Baldwin. This made waves maybe about a week or two ago, or a couple of weeks now, I guess, where Alec Baldwin um, discharged a firearm on set and um, tragically killed the film's cinematographer and injured the film's director. Um, and it was a major, major accident, uh, at least, I guess, the, the biggest one that's been on uh, captured in film and television in a long time. Uh, it, it had eerie vibes of like Brandon Lee and not with a right. gun going off. Um, but uh, some news that come out for, for that. Uh, I know Alec Baldwin came out in defense of the production. Um, and we have major stars like The Rock and um, some film studios saying that there will be no more uh, live guns on set. Uh, but big news here, the gaffer, uh, who is the lead electrician on the show, has now sued production on the safety negligence. And there was a lot of stuff happening with this production. Um, the camera crew uh, um, uh, walked out the day before. Um, apparently, the uh, gun handler or the armor was not properly trained. There was a lot of stuff coming out on social media um, when the accident occurred. But I wanted to touch base with both of you guys. Uh, Rod and Jordan, uh, your feels with everything that's going on, and you know, I guess uh, the controversy controversy that's coming up with having you know guns on set. What's up with that, Rod? I mean, my my feeling is that if you can create the Jungle Book movie, the the John Favreau one, without a single animal on set, you can make movies without with like the the simulated gun. You don't need a real live gun with blanks inside. Just for that, like, I don't know, random second where you kind of see a little bit of kickback in the gun to make it look more realistic. Like, if I never see that again in my life, but no one else has to die getting shot with a gun on a set, I feel like that is a very fair trade off. Right. I mean, I don't know how many, like, the amount of people and the crew that have talked about, like, the conditions that were uh, ha- happening before this ended up happening, like, this this incident incident ended up occurring. I don't know if we can call it an accident, right? Like, I used to work in a, in a non-for-profit where, uh, among the things that they did, they worked on this project called Vision Zero that had to do with road safety. And it was a big thing where we try not to say that car accidents are accidents because they're preventable, right? Like if you change the infrastructure around it, you can lead to situations where even if there is a collision, there isn't a death. And and so that, that's kind of a, you know, some some stuff that we work for then. And I think that that can, that kind of thought can apply to the situation where, you know, calling it an accident kind of makes it seem like it was a random occurrence. Right. And whereas opposed, it seems to be like a, a product of a lot of poor decisions that had been mm-hmm. made or poor working conditions that were happening on set. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think we should get rid of guns altogether. Like, what are we going to do? Wait for uh, like shooting number three. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like a lot of Hollywood movies operate in the U S where what amount of shootings would be able to change the perspective on guns. Right. So yeah. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. politics involved there too. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've worked on a couple of sets. Um, uh, I would say at least 80% of the films that I've worked on our TV shows always had um, an armor on set and we've always had the prop master on set that would handle that stuff. I mean, there was rumors too, because that's kind of my department in terms of the ADs and um, PAs, but a PA apparently handed the um, a live weapon to Alec Baldwin, which is insane to me. There's this rule on set where if it's not your department, don't touch it. And if you need to touch it, let's say it's an Apple box, you would ask the grips or you need to get some power. You talk to uh, the electrics, right? Um, before you use it. I mean, it's common courtesy, but also 
you're playing it safe and it, you don't want to be responsible for something that happens um, uh, if that uh, object goes missing or someone you know dies because of it. So that's unreal to me. You know, Jordan, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, I feel like I don't have anywhere near the experience of actually being on film sets. So any that's opinions okay. I have, I'll just <laughs> take, take them with the grain of salt of that. Like they're not super well informed. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. Um, I feel like I don't know enough to really have too much of an opinion. I did read something that made me kind of just pause on um, fully siding with the like, you know, have no more guns on set, which was just that for smaller productions, um, having a prop gun is actually the cheapest option um, versus trying to do everything with like CGI, like you said, the jungle book. But that said, cheapness shouldn't ever be a safety no. factor. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. clearly there's a way that things can be done in a, in a safe way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tragic, tragic situation. And if I don't see any more realistic guns in movies, I, I don't really care. It's not a big deal. Like, yeah. like you said, movies are make believe. Um, there's plenty of sacrifices that we can make to make sure that uh, an event like this doesn't have to happen again. Yeah. No, I mean, well said, but I wanted to bring up, you know, to add some context here, bringing back the film stuff. Um, the first AD is responsible to do a, a uh, what's it called? A safety meeting every single day. There are firearms, if there's a stunt, if the public is involved in whatever reason, um, at, the, at the top of call, right? Um, and having those safety meetings are important. And, you know, for anyone working in the film industry today, advocate for those departments, the AD departments, that do those safety meetings. Um, uh, if you are a, um, a background dresser and you are not on the main set during the time of a major uh, sequence, still have it called out over the walkie, right? And this is a big broadcast because um, every time um, I'm on set, I'm lucky enough to be in a department that is um, fantastic and they, they do broadcast this um, over the walkie. But, you know, something like this could happen, right? And um, um, there is negligence somewhere there and it costs someone's life. Um, and you know, uh, it's unfortunate to see something like this happen. And who knows, some of these smaller productions will have, um, people getting hurt all the time and they don't, they, they, I mean, just because maybe Alec Baldwin was the one who fired the shot, this made major headlines and someone died, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Right. But people get hurt every day, uh, potentially on sets. Um, uh, but you know, have those safety meetings, uh, and, and push them. Uh, I know we did an episode last season about unions. This is why unions are important because they will push the safety, make sure every every worker is you know accounted for. So this is my TED talk <laughs> for now. Yeah. But, um, and, and just for, to to kind of uh, touch briefly on something that jo- that Jordan said, you know, like obviously Jordan and I have not worked in on sets, but the idea, for example, of our workplace health and safety, uh, you know, regulations that we have in place at most workplaces. They are there for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are their yeah. product of a variety of incidents that occurred previous to that that informed the context of which we've decided, okay, these are the things that we need to do to make sure that we are safe at the workplace because we're getting paid mm-hmm. at our jobs to do the job, not to risk our life. And that is true uh, on sets too, I think. And that, you know, I, I think there must have been a, a series of decisions that have been made that have led to this. And I think it, it would behoove us to make sure that th- those decisions are never uh, either made or not. They're, yeah. they're removed from being able to be made. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing this, but there's a, a saying about how safety regulations are paved with blood. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a reason, yeah. you know, all those checks and balances exist, probably because the early days of movies had a lot more accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If not to end this on a lighter note, but if um, listeners are interested in hearing kind of a deep dive about a situation like this, like one of you mentioned about the the filming of the movie, uh, the 1983, sorry, 1994's uh, The Crow, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. where Brandon Lee was tragically killed on set. Uh, there's a documentary series. It was um, filmed and produced on Shudder, the horror streaming services, but you can mm-hmm. buy yeah. the episode wherever. Um, episode four of season one was all about The Crow. And they do a really thoughtful and um, I think t- like tasteful deep dive about the accident. They interview everyone who was involved. They ac- explain wow. exactly what happened in, in that um, situation. And you can kind of see like where things went wrong and you can understand how it happened. It doesn't, um, it doesn't make it like forgivable or whatever, how it went down. But um really interesting to just see how accidents like that happen. That whole series is great. Uh, The episode in the series finale, season finale of season one, it was about Twilight Zone, the movie. um, Oh yeah. The helicopter, right? Yeah. Really horrific accident on set. Um, But if you're interested of um, the history of film, uh, I'd recommend that, uh, that series cursed films. And this is our, uh, the first plug of season two. (laughs) <laughs> I, I believe. Did you mention this once in season one? Because it, it, it's I probably so did. Familiar to me. Yeah, I think I probably did. I'm uh, a bit of a fanboy of the director. He's also a podcaster. He's uh, hey. hosts um, a film podcast called Film Junk, which is a Canadian film podcast that's actually the longest running film podcast of all time. Nice. So I listen to should, them every week. So <laughs> should we um, reach out? Jordan, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. I know. I know. <laughs> I think they're they're not even that they're too big because they're not they're not too big. Like there's no advertisement. They're not paid. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. do it for fun. But they're they're probably just um, I don't know, curmudgeony older Gen <laughs> Xers that would just scoff at us anyway. So, but there we go. Our our very first plug. Uh, I guess for season two, even though it may have been a rehash, but we appreciate it. <laughs> um, in other news. The head honcho of Lucasfilms, Kathleen Kennedy, has just signed a new contract. And this extends her, um, uh, I guess, her reach for um, Lucasfilm until 2024. I mean, I guess it's kind of big news because Kathleen Kennedy has kind of been the the showrunner of all things Star Wars and, uh, and that, um, that world uh, with Disney. I mean, I know J.J. Abrams is plotting there with her. Um, mm-hmm. Ever since George Lucas stepped down, but this is kind of big, and I think it also comes at an interesting time with all the rumors. I mean, recently, I think Patty Jenkins is having some trouble right now in terms of getting her Rogue Squadron off off the um, off the ground. Like, off the ground. A, yeah, I'm trying to think of fun <laughs> there, and I just couldn't do it. I was like, hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and also, I, I don't know. I was talking about this maybe a couple weeks ago, but. Uh, the Game of Thrones showrunners, uh, Benioff and Weiss, they had a um, uh, a trilogy plan, but that never came about. And that was a couple of years ago, too. But I don't know. I think it's interesting. Kathleen Kennedy is still going to um, uh, hold everything together with Lucasfilm, I guess, for consistency. But um, uh, Rod, I'll start with you. I guess, what is your perspective on Star Wars? And do you think Kathleen Kennedy's um, re-signing will you know, mean anything for Lucasfilm and Star Wars going forward? And I guess, you know, creative direction. I mean, 
I, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I also think that no movie has been like some cinematic masterpiece that needs to be held to a standard that it's like, you know, a, a desecration to, to make a bad film. And uh, I'm a big fan Star of Star Wars. Yeah, of Star Wars. Sorry, what did okay, I say? No, no, no. Sorry. I, I, I was in space for a second. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like even the, the second one of this, this latest trilogy, the, the Ryan Johnson one, I enjoyed that one. I didn't like the third one as much. I feel like my preference for those was like almost one, two, three. Mm-hmm. But I know after the second movie, there was like a lot of backlash against the director and also against Kathleen Kennedy for the choices that she had made. Um, I think I would have been upset to see all the vitriol and kind of darkness that came around from the from the far, furthest corners of the internet to be able to feel like they had a victory. So I don't know if she is the best person for the job, but I don't. But who I, else would do, I do know that I that I I'm very uh, content with knowing that they will not get that satisfaction. Um, ultimately, again, it's like, I think Star Wars movies are fun and great. I don't hold them to this, uh, standard that, you know, like if she makes a bad next, whatever Star Wars project, then, oh, oh no, you know, like we need to fire her immediately. I I don't take it that seriously. Uh, and I know you mentioned kind of like all these projects that are, are struggling to find their footing. Yeah. But there is like eight million Star Wars things happening, like you know, like uh, the. But is the, that too much? Is too much? To, like, I mean, like. Well, don't with, watch them. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> There's like there was like an anime one that came out. I was like, I'm cool not watching this. I didn't watch it. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like there's that argument always. Like, is this too much? It's like it is too much if you're watching everything for sure. Just don't watch everything. But I like. But I, I don't know. Maybe the way I'm feeling is like. From the main series, you're going to have the main, you know, the main benchmark films. Yeah. And then you'll have some of the spinoffs, which is like Rogue One, which was great. Mm-hmm. Solo. Eh. Um, uh, what else just came out? There was something else that just recently. Like Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Right. But that one's also doing well. I, I think Boba Fett has one coming out. The, the Book, Book of Boba, Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah. Um, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yeah. Yeah. See, now I feel like they're maybe transitioning from kind of these benchmark films um that they first started because i know uh what's it called rogue one was uh, the first one and the second one was got rogue um solo there was another one i don't know what came about of it from it but there's another like solo feature that was kind of in the um uh in the works but that disappeared but yeah I, but I, it's like for example I, let, let's take the example of solo and um and rogue one i guess uh, if you didn't watch these movies, you would still be fine with the new trilogy. Like you wouldn't be confused. You wouldn't be missing anything. Right. Like this is how I, I feel about, you know, like the, these extended properties. Like I think when they kind of exist within the, their own space and it's not like you need to understand the story by watching this to watch this. And that isn't the case in most things like even in Marvel, uh, which is a big cinematic universe. We went to see Eternals recently and my friend, I was like, which movie do I need to watch beforehand? And I was like. I guess if you wanted to, you could watch Endgame, but it's going to be like <laughs> a brief it. reference in the beginning and that's it. And you don't have to watch like the other 32 movies, right? Or whatever amount. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. like the, the the conversation we have about the amount of media that is being produced is just the idea that there's so much being produced, right? And I think this is true because we, we used to maybe have like three studios and now we have like eight maybe, you know, that are all putting out new content. And so there is a lot happening. I, I, I recognize that, but you don't have to watch everything. Yeah, it. I mean, I'm not a comic book guy, but it feels similar to where like comic books are, right? Where you walk mm-hmm. into a comic book store and you're like, 
I want to catch up on Batman. And they're like, I don't know. There's oh, like 10 Batman, Batman <laughs> things happening at any given time. Like who? Like, um, so is it being watered down? Like, I guess like all of pop culture and some way or another is being kind of watered down. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of, not that I'm indifferent to star Wars, but like, it they, is what it is. They like they knew what they were doing when they exploded the brand and they made five new movies and all these new TV shows. That it was going to become a little bit less significant with each new one. Um, but people probably felt the same way in the early two thousands when the prequel trilogy was happening and you had uh, Clone Wars on TV and maybe some of those were more favorably regarded than yeah. some of the new stuff they're doing. But I mean, overall, I still think there's m- more. Um. The last 10 years of Star Wars has added more good than bad overall, as much as like I dislike the third movie or dislike bits of pieces oh, yeah. in there. Oh like, my God, mm-hmm. that was terrible. Sorry. It, it was terrible. Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of made The Last Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens like worse by, <laughs> by being the one that it ended on. But I yeah, still yeah, sometimes yeah. just chill at bed thinking about like, so how was Palpatine having sex? <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to say though, it, for for these new movies and whether or like, I guess we've all seen. Have, I mean, presumably we've seen all dazed and confused and that that like Matthew McConaughey line about like you know oh, how right he stays oh, how he stays the same age you know like the girl. Yeah, yeah. It, I feel like Star Wars is kind of like that. Like it stays the same age, but the audience is supposed to be younger, right? Like it's not really us anymore. Like I think mm-hmm. you know if you're a Star Wars fan, sure you can go and watch it. Like nobody's stopping you. But it's the same with Disney or Marvel. These are movies for 13, 14 year olds. And when you're all of a sudden 29, 30, 32, like, sure, you can go and watch them and you will get less return on investment every time because you are a little, you know, it's it's inevitable. You grow a little bit older, you grow a little bit more cynical, right? Like, I I just don't think it's meant, it's not, it's not meant for you anymore, right? Like you can still watch it. You can still enjoy it. You can still opine on it, but it's just not meant for you. Yeah. And you're also not experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. 10 years old, so it'll mm-hmm. never yeah. be, you know, the momentous event that the original was for kids who were 10 years old in mm-hmm. 1977. So I guess we'll have to see, um, what's it called? This new era of Star Wars coming up. I Sorry, the other one that I was thinking is Andor. There's an Andor TV series coming out as well. Uh, Taika Waititi has a new film coming out. And um, uh, my gosh, there's another one. Anyway, um, yeah, but there's more to it. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy's sticking around. Um, but yeah, let's see where it goes. One more for the pre-show. This is, I, I don't know if we call this super, super big news, but I'm going to bring it up because I'm actually a huge fan of this original story, which is crazy. And maybe we'll tackle it in a future episode. But, um, Leo DiCaprio, uh, not a fan of, but <laughs> he's in recent talks and I think it's confirmed that he'll be playing Jim Jones, uh, in a biopic based on the Jamestown massacre, which for those who don't know, it's like one of the biggest cult uh murder suicides uh no it's not a murder suicide it's just a suicide it's uh, the, mad- the kool-aid one right like the, the cool exactly the drink the kool-aid and then mm-hmm. right um and uh i'm a huge fan of this this story this sounds horrible but i mean i was super fascinated uh, with the story for a couple of years and when i heard originally vince gilligan of breaking bad fame was going to do an hbo series about this i was super stoked then i hear Leo DiCaprio signing on to play Jim Jones, who's supposed to be super charismatic. Uh, I mean, he did convince thousands of people to drink the Kool-Aid, right? Um, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. I feel like maybe it's because of my opinion with Leo DiCaprio, but I'm not the biggest Leo stan. Mm-hmm. Um, I will watch his movies, but I'm not going to be like, hmm. you know, this is not a Daniel Day-Lewis performance. <laughs> but nothing really is, is, right? Except Daniel true. Day-Lewis. Or I think you should rate all acting performances on how close they get to a Daniel Day-Lewis. It's like <laughs> that 10 out of 10. Scale. Yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10 um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's out of 10, whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't know how much you guys know about this, um, uh, this I guess, uh, cult moment in, in history. This was huge, and I'm surprised it hasn't been made into a feature or anything like that. I really hope Vince Gilligan's going to come back and finish it for HBO, but... Any feels? Any Leo DiCaprio feels or cult feels? Jordan? Um, I don't have too many feelings on this. I think I remember years ago listening to, uh, and if you're more familiar with this, um, this story, you, you might have heard this. Did Is there audio out there and you could listen to the audio yes. of the actual event of people yeah, man. drink? Because I it's think I have up. listened to that and I remember it being quite haunting. Um, yeah. I mean, and, especially if you know what happened, right? Because mm-hmm, it's messed and, up. Partly, like, not being able to see it just makes it scarier. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. It, it's one of those strange events that feels like a long time ago. Um, and it's been, like, a joke in our, you know, mm-hmm. drink the Kool-Aid mm-hmm. on stuff. Uh, I hope they can do it justice and show, like, you know, Craziness. give some, like, the humanity back to the people who lost their lives there and, and what happened and... um I guess with uh, a lot of other things in the news, like Q, QAnon and that, it's maybe an appropriate time to go back to the roots of like, oh, how shit, do people yeah. get caught up in these sort and of the craziness? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't really have any opinions on Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I just know. reading this too. Um, it, it's it's going to be drafted by Scott Rosenberg, who did Venom. <laughs> in terms of uh, the script, did, yeah, did he? Um, I'm terrible with writers. Did Scott Rosenberg write anything else? I'd know. I haven't fidelity? even seen. Okay, high fidelity. <laughs> okay, yeah, that seems like he probably okay. prefer that to be like the first thing. <laughs> but it, it gets oh, man, more just... clicks if it's the Venom writer because exactly yeah, that's true. What, what else did he write? He wrote uh, Jumanji, Jumanji, the next level, exactly. Uh, some Life on Mars, Kangaroo Jack. That's classic from 2003. Give me an Aaron Sorkin uh, cult movie and maybe I'll be interested. So I'll be super interesting. But to anyway. go back to this Leo story, this is a, uh, what is it? Um, a mini series that they're, they're doing. Um, That's checking, what this is I, about, right? Or is it? No, a, um, no. Th- I think the mini series was going to be the HBO one with Vince Gilligan. But oh, this okay, one, I okay. think it's a, it's a full feature. Mm-hmm, gotcha. Biopic. It's a, oh, it's a biopic. Mm. Well, I mean, I think it would do we need to, to know real. everything about Jim's, uh, Jim Jones? I guess maybe it won't be all about... I thought it would maybe I, focus on Jonestown, like the actual... I think, okay, we need though, a cult episode. It, even if it, if, it, if it goes into that, like, it would still be considered a biopic. Like, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. you don't want the full, like, oh, what made this man tick? But I think, like, <laughs> they'll find a balance between... Uh, both those things. Who he was, who he is. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of cult stuff. I always wonder, could I be convinced? And then I'm like, should I, <laughs> should I walk into the Scientology oh building gosh. and then find out? And then at the same time, I'm always like telling my brother, it's like never walk into the Scientology building. Like, you know, so I'm both. You're already psyched. anticipating just, it, <laughs> just in case they're actually super effective. Yeah, at convincing you. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Netflix had a. 
a documentary series called Wild Wild Country that had to do. I think I, with, I started. Yes, I didn't finish, but it's about a cult, right? It's it's yeah. about uh, these people, and I remember Anand Sheila, who is was the personal assistant of the guy whose name I can't remember, uh, who's a horrible person. But I remember finishing that, and I'd be like. That ma- the level of organization and planning that get, get, that has to be involved for her to be able to pull this <laughs> off is like admirable on one side, but she is obviously garbage. But I, I do remember those being my two feelings of the movie. I, I'm very fascinated with how cult work work how cults work and how people that are susceptible to that are are where they are mentally when they are able to have these conversations. Um, I, I find it to be something that I don't. Uh, personally feel and so that's why I find it so fascinating like I don't know if you guys saw recently in the news there was about a a group of people that are QAnon followers that uh, were congregating at some place expecting I think John F. Kennedy Jr. to return from the dead and they were there like several days right and I'm like wondering so at some (laughs) point do you then decide that you were wrong and you were lied to or do you double down and you're like I haven't figured this out just yet let me return when I fig- do the you know what I mean like, <laughs> let I, me I, return <laughs> I find the, the mentality of it very interesting and like obviously I wish all these people well and I hope that they're able to get help and I can't imagine the pain that their families are going through trying to get these people back but the 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 psychology of of cult related people is always fascinating to me mm-hmm. That's what my hope for a film like this is that as as much as like Jim Jones might be the focus of it, I hope that they give some really good humanity to the people that, I mean, that you'd say he killed or that he convinced to yeah, yeah, yeah. kill cool. themselves. Because mm-hmm. um, if they're just like background masses of like brainless followers, then I, I don't know. That doesn't seem fun. That doesn't seem maybe realistic to like what actually pulls people into these situations. Now I'm now I'm thinking I'm like all right guys so let's prepare for season two episode seven about cults. This <laughs> is super <laughs> interesting, but who knows? But yeah, um, I I I think um, let's leave it at that. Let's some of the recent news that's come up before we get into what we've been watching and what's uh, keeping us uh, on the go. So uh, I guess we'll be right back. We got some ads for you. Hang tight. The Layered Butter Podcast is brought to you by Big Pig Co. Established in 2010, Big Pig Co. has grown from a one-direct production house to now working with some of the biggest brands globally. Above all else, Big Pig aims to produce work that is engaging, different, interesting, and essentially not boring. If you're looking for excitement and innovation, Big Pig is the company for you. Check them out at BigPigCo.com. All right, welcome back. So uh, we are back to the main feature, which is hanging out with us three, talking about what we've been missing in terms of film, TV, and whatever else is out there. Um, uh, it's been a couple months since. Uh, the last time you heard from us was, at least from me and Rod, we were at TIFF, um, and we uh, saw a couple films. So uh, let's see what's keeping us busy. Rod, you want to get started? What have you been watching? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe I'll start with a TV show that uh, I'm trying to be, you know, my new mentality. Like last year at the beginning of the year, I was like, yeah, documentaries. <laughs> and so there are a couple of documentaries on my list. This like for 2022, I'm trying to follow my own advice 
and watch things that I know I will enjoy as much as I can and skip things that I think <laughs> I will not enjoy. And so when Rather I Rather than watching everything on yeah, TV, right? It's too yeah. much. Like so uh, I've I've narrowed down my TV list. I I I saw there was a new Disney Plus series. Actually, I think it's like Stars or something. I don't know what their like non uh, kid yeah, content yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. branches, but it's that one uh, called Only Murders in the Building. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It is. It stars a uh, Steve Cast, right? It's a podcast based uh, murder mystery TV show with uh, three fans of the podcast, played by uh, Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. And uh, they happen to be in a building where a murder occurs, and they are all big fans of this this uh, murder podcast. I can't remember the title of it, but it's hosted by Tina Fey in a fictional role in it. And um, they they figure out like, okay, cool, let's 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 solve this and let's host this podcast. And Steve Martin and Martin Short are incredibly hilarious in this. Like they they've always been hilarious. Like there are they are just names that of comedy out there that have the recognition that they, they obviously mm-hmm. deserve. Mm-hmm. And Selena Gomez does an absolutely great job in this too. I do have like one pet peeve that I saw a lot of uh, websites calling this like Selena Gomez's only murders in the building. And I'm like, okay, I understand that she's popular, but it seems kind of disrespectful <laughs> to Steve Martin and Martin short. who I would say carry a lot more of the show than Selena Gomez does. Um, Who's the lead? Is it Selena? Well, they're all kind of, all three of them are, are the leads, yeah. but I think, if I had to choose one, it's probably Steve Martin yeah. and Martin Short and Selena Gomez yeah. are like in slightly minor roles. Um, also uh-huh. in this TV show is Amy Ryan. Is that the the Gone Girl one? Oh, no. Amy Ryan is Gone Baby Gone. And Gone Michael Baby Scott Gone. Sorry, Sullivan. that's what I mean. Yeah, the, yeah Academy yeah. Award winning Amy Ryan yeah. is in this this TV show. <laughs> so look, it, it is. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's not too long. Um, and I think it's very easy to get into. It's very entertaining. So it's definitely something that I would recommend. It's like a comedy. It is, it is a comedy I would assume so. mystery drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can say I watched the first episode and I did like it and I haven't gone back to it. Um, which is not, that's just because of my TV watching <laughs> Listen, habits. It were. happens. Life yeah. is like that. <laughs> but hearing, hearing your take on it all, I'll get back to it. Cause it yeah. was, it was a good first episode and it was intriguing. Cool. That's what I had. I don't know, uh, Raph. Do you want to throw one? I mean, I have yeah. more. I can go on. Sorry. I, yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. We'll flip around. Sorry. I thought we were going to go through more. Sorry about that. Um. Yeah. What am I watching these days? Um. Oh. So we've been recently. I mean, I've watched The Sopranos already, but uh, ever since they announced um, Many Saints of New York mm-hmm. uh, coming out, which is the prequel movie. Um, you know, I wanted to get my wife Polina into it and then she is loving it. Like she absolutely loves the Sopranos, um, more than I thought because I, she was going to give up in like episodes one and three. Yeah. Once she got to like episode four or five, she was like, I'm in. And then she absolutely loves it. And I think a big, I think rewatching it the second time for me and, um, looking back at all these characters, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, I, I like, it's not about the mob. Yeah, that and I think that's what a lot of people are worried about when they want to start the Sopranos. They're like, I don't want to watch another Goodfellas. I don't want to watch this because it's violent or it's all about the mob. It's not. It's about Tony Soprano uh, being a psychopath and sociopath yeah. <laughs> in terms of his personal life, right? So, and um, he has two families, which is the mob in himself. So, um, I'm rewatching that, and I think it, it's inspiring me even more in terms of how dense the writing is and how amazing and layered it is. And James Gandolfini, oh my gosh, yeah. like he is absolutely phenomenal. So we've been rewatching that 
uh, Paulina's first time, we're almost done, and I can't wait to get to certain. Like th- that's the beauty in rewatching a show that you think um, that you've watched for a while. I mean, uh, a while ago, and then you're watching it with a friend or whatnot, and then you know certain bits are going to happen, and to have that, uh, uh, you know, uh, amazing feeling of the reaction of seeing your friend or loved one or whoever being like, "Oh my God, this is happening," and I'm like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now I'm really happy that you're, you know, reacting the way you should. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're almost on Sopranos. I can't wait to see uh, many scenes of Newark. But uh, have you guys seen The Sopranos at all? I never finished it, but I started it. And I do every Bruh. now and then just YouTube any scene with the, between the, the therapist <laughs> and uh and, Tony. and they are all yeah. excellent. Um, I don't know. Did you see that the the kind of the acknowledgement of the finale that came out recently? The, yes. The, the finale famously ends. I guess a uh, spoiler famous. alert if you if Paulina specifically, if you're listening to this, Bru- skip, a, skip a couple of minutes ahead. <laughs> but uh the the finale famously ends with uh you know somebody coming into the restaurant and before you know whether he attacks Tony or not, it, it just goes it to a black, a black screen. Yeah. And um, that the the writer did, or I believe it was David the writer that he did. Yeah. They did say that, yeah, he gets shot, and uh, that's the the ending of it. And I mean, like, I I, mean, I, I didn't need the the specifics spelled out yeah. to me, but it's like I, I think it's kind I of cool so. to to also I, imagine the show yeah. being from you know like the end of his story is the end of the series, right? And I think um, you know uh, there was rumor at one point, maybe before James Gandolfini passed away, that they wanted to do a sequel series or they wanted to pick up with the Soprano story again, but the way it ends and Jordan, I I'm sorry. I don't know. Did you watch the finale? Did we just ruin everything for you? No, I didn't watch the Sopranos, but I okay. was plugged into pop culture enough that I remember when the finale okay, when happened, happened. And yeah, I watched, yeah. I have seen the, not the, the finale, scene. but I've seen the last two minutes out of context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's but, a don't stop believing just gets louder and louder and louder. As and it then gets it just to an cuts end, right? when he yeah. looks up. Right. And it just cuts. So yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like, uh, if the writer has written it a certain way, that's the way they envisioned it. And sometimes it's perfect. It could be immensely controversial, mm-hmm. but the way, I mean, looking back on it, um, I think it's the way it should be. I think I would be maybe a little bit disappointed if I saw him die. Right. Uh, but just leaving it up to us to um, acknowledge what may have happened is good enough for me. So that's my take on the Sopranos. I don't know. Cool. Jordan, how about you, buddy? Are um, you watching? What am I watching? I'm really enjoying season three of Succession right now. Oh, boy. Um, are either so of you good. watching Succession? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Rod, I love watching. it. Uh, it's, Rod, are you caught up? Yeah. It is amazing. This is a top tier show, probably of all time. Can I admit, though, that this is, I think, uh, I enjoyed season two more than I'm enjoying season three so far. Shoot but me. I think, like, even... Succession at like at ninety percent is better yeah. than a lot of TV that mm-hmm. is out there. I just it's, think that it's kind of dragged its feet to get where it is. Is I guess my feeling. I you mean, I think like, that's kind okay. of the beauty of the show, right? Like when when I think back to season one, season two, I can barely even remember plot points. I can remember like interactions between characters, mm-hmm. but maybe I just have a bad. I mean, I know I have a bad memory, but I just can't really keep it together. But like. It doesn't matter because in the moment of watching it, like yeah. the scenes are tense. They're so well mm-hmm. written. The mm-hmm. characters are so well like, acted. Uh-huh. And it's just amazing being on the, the fly on the wall on these like hilarious, r- ridiculous, over the top. Like, yeah. Can we know? talk about how amazing they write sibling interactions? I feel like mm-hmm. 
Connor, uh, Shiv, um, Kendall, and Roman, they act like entitled children. And even when they interact with each other, it feels so realistic, mm-hmm. right? Um, even the way they fight and they talk to each other, it's, I don't know, man, it's amazing. Yeah. Who Among yeah. Us has not played uh, Rape Me on a speaker to ruin your sister's <laughs> okay. big mm. moment, only to then have a letter published detailing oh your every my mistake? Gosh. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that old chestnut. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, Jeremy Strong, that's the name of the actor who plays Kendall, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he is like his performance, I mean, every season, but this season in particular, mm-hmm. there's just so many layers to his performance where you watch the character trying to put on a face to trying to like get through something. And he's, he's playing for the people around him and he's trying to like brush something off, but like, yeah, it's all still there and you can see how something is hitting him emotionally. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's top tier stuff that's happening right now. So yeah. if you're listening and you're not watching watch succession, the first couple episodes, it takes a couple episodes to like lock into place. It yeah, does, but still, and then it, it, yeah. it, it's worth it. I, I was going to say, too. I will put too. this question Go out ahead. there. Um, why did they have have a different medical affliction affect Logan at the, the beginning of this episode and at the end of the previous episode? Like, I don't know if this is part of a bigger illness that he has that is underlying both things. Or, Maybe it was a plot point just for the episode. Yeah, because I do know, obviously, they have to put him mentally out of it, but it's like, couldn't they just found one illness that covered both his Rather than having exhaustion a last time and then giving him a random UTI like in this episode. I, I think like that part was like a little bit um, odd, but I do think like, you know, uh, Brian Cox is like, Oh my God. An amazing thing. Also, you should, if you have not read it, you should go out and read some of his excerpts of his opinions on other people's like uh, acting. I think he put out a book or something. And he said, I think he mentioned something for Kendall, right? Or I think he said something about Johnny Depp, which I wish I had like the exact quote, (laughs) but it was something along the lines of like his acting in Edward Scissorhands. And he's like, if you come out with all that white paint and uh, and knives in your hands, then you don't have to do very much. And he didn't. And he subsequently (laughs) done even less. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) He's Logan Roy. Is is this available in audiobook form? Because I just want to hear him to read that that to me. Uh, also, the UTI um, plot line was totally worth it just to have the, the line from Tom about um, holding the scepter. Yes. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That was worth it. 100%. I think they thought of that line and then they just worked up backwards yeah. and said, how do we make this happen? <laughs> I wanted to bring up, ever since uh, I've been watching Succession, I've been incorporating uh-huh much more often <laughs> in my daily life because of Jesse Armstrong's dialogue. And every character is just like, <laughs> I just yell, yell off like fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, Succession's firing in all cylinders. I can't wait. I mean, for every Sunday, I call it Succession Sunday. Um, and I, I'm I'm pretty stoked. Adrian Brody, by the way, power player, right? Um, uh, and I think he's he did an amazing job uh, mm-hmm. so far. So, all right. So Succession. Uh, what else? What are we? What else are you watching? Oh, I finished scenes from a marriage. Have you guys watched that? With um, oh, not finished, almost done. With um, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Anyone? Anyone? No, no I didn't. I, I, I meant to watch it, but I was watching that Nicole Kidman show where she's like a weird. Oh, I didn't even watch that yet. And oh, it, a weirdo. Like, and it just turned me right off of like these kind of. Which one of, though? I feel of, like there's so many. 
Well, the latest one, I can't even remember what it's called. Oh, Nine Perfect Strangers. Nine Perfect Strangers. And it just like, I I, I stopped watching the episode. And then I was just like, I can't even start something of this kind of like Hollywood actor doing. I didn't like it at all. Like, I I did not enjoy it. Huge cast, though. Yeah. What uh, um, scenes from a marriage? Okay, it's an HBO original. Yeah, it's an HBO original. Uh, I think it's a, a remake of uh, Ingrid Bergman's um, scenes from a marriage from like 1970 something. Okay. Uh, and it is literally like a play. I mean, it takes place always in one location, almost literally the same scene. Like, so it usually takes place in a house and it's, uh, um, it just features uh, a couple whose marriage is on the rocks. So like think of blue Valentine, but in the sense that it will take place over the course of X amount of like years. Mm. Uh, so you'll see them at their happiest at their lowest, blah, blah, blah. But it's always a contained, uh, time period. So it's always going to be, um, what's it called? This specific context or situation that time doesn't pass. Um, and it's weird because the beginning of every episode starts with, uh, almost like it's breaking the fourth wall because you see the camera crew and you see like the director and the cast and you see Jessica and Oscar and they're always talking to the director being like, okay, so I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk like this. Is that okay? Will the camera be here? And then all of a sudden it just snaps into, you know, the story mode, right? Mm -hmm. The narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's just really, really heavy, which I mean, I'm sure you can imagine with something like that. Right. But the performances are great. But it's it's hard to keep up watching it because it's just like a punch in your face each and every time. And I'm like, every time I finish watching, I'm like, I'm just sad. Like, <laughs> I, I don't feel like this is going to benefit me in any way ex- except from maybe what narrative stress, right? Mm-hmm. It, just like that Mark Ruffalo TV show that came out like a year ago. I know this much is true, which is another punch in the face each and every time. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I've been sad core movies. I've been avoiding a lot of those punches to the face over the last two years for (laughs) obvious reasons, I guess. But um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, Have you been watching that with your your wife? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. (laughs) It's 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 nothing crazy, but um, because we both enjoyed um, uh, what's it called Blue Valentine Valentine anyway, and I know this much is true. So some of this stuff that we we really enjoy watching, which is horrible for a marriage. But hey, anyway, this is a, a side question. But do you have, or for both of you, do you have like a go-to? Um, let's say if you watch scenes for uh, scenes from marriage before mm-hmm. bed, and then you're like, okay, Bruh. I can't, I can't go to sleep with this feeling in the air. What's your go-to like reset? Make things like oh. <laughs> make things <laughs> I, all good. I leave on. So we're in Toronto. So there's this local channel called CB24. <laughs> I just leave on, which is just 24 hour news. I just leave it on. And Polino's always like, what the hell is this? I'm just like, I need to tune out. I need to listen to the world around me. Okay. That wasn't the answer I was expecting, but that is, uh, cause you know, I, I need to like reset the sadness of scenes from a marriage. And I just want like, um, eight dead and gunshot violence, bus crash kills this man. I just want those words floating through my brain constantly. That's not what I was thinking, but oh, you know, man. you do you. No, that, I mean, I just tune out. I just I leave think it for on. me, it would be some comedy that is on Netflix. Like right now, it happens to be Seinfeld, but obviously Seinfeld mm. was not there, say like last year. Um, mm. But right now, yeah, like Seinfeld has been like on the a nine season <laughs> loop since it started till now. Like just whenever I have, I, I even if I'm working, I just want background noise. Like I've seen that show enough where mm-hmm. you know every now and then I catch like one Ling line, and I'm like, this show is fucking amazing. Speaking I appreciate of, um, that Seinfeld. correct answer yeah. to that question <laughs> instead of mine. 
I mean, I, I did I did put on a couple episodes of Veep a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. but I mean that no, it's not consisting. CP twenty four is consistent. Okay, <laughs> the news is consistent. Yeah, right? Consistently bad vibes <laughs> into right into your eyeballs. God. Yeah, terrible. Uh, um, Rod, what else are you watching, buddy? Uh, TV, another if you have thing TV, that I, I watched know. was uh, a documentary called Found. I don't know if you guys uh, know this. It's an American Chinese documentary film. Uh, directed by some uh, a woman named Amanda Lipitz. It's about three adopted teenage girls who, through like one of these 23andMe, I think actually it is specifically 23andMe, uh, they discover that they're actually blood-related cousins that were adopted Jeez. from China, and they live in the U.S. One of them is from, I think, Seattle or Nashville, and then the other one's from like Oklahoma. Wow. And basically they kind of get together and they start... You know, like they, they, they first they, they connect virtually and then they meet up with each other. They meet up with a, a genealogist and he kind of talks to them about traveling to China to find more answers about their identity mm. and sort of their, their family history and the, the orphanages where, where they, they would have potentially been left with people that could have potentially been their parents that gave them up for adoptions. I, I think throughout the movie, there's this whole theme of like, how important your past is to figuring out who you are in the present. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they obviously lived relatively good lives, but that doesn't change the fact that there's a huge question mark that they were not a- ever able to answer. And so these kind of recurring themes of identity are present throughout the film. There's also a lot of, I guess, talk about like the one child policy that China had until very recently that often led to these adoptions because you know, like if you only had one child, there was a preference for it to be a male child. So like girls were often left to be uh, abandoned at these places or even in oh. worst case scenarios, sometimes killed. Right. And so there's a lot of, of this. But I do think that they do a very good job of not presenting the, these issues without the nuance that that it deserves. There's a lot of like empathy and interest for for kind of like these girls and what they're they're going through. I think it's. Like it doesn't feel like exploitative, you know, like they, they, it's obviously a a complex situation for these girls and it's like, we're coming along for the journey, but it doesn't seem like we're taking advantage of them, which I think is really important in, in, in documentaries. I definitely would recommend it. I believe it's on Netflix. I think that's where I saw it. If not, I saw it on one of these other multiple streaming things that I have, but I really, really liked it. And yeah, like if you have the time or if you have the interest, I would say, check it out. I feel like there was a movie that had a very similar thing. I think it was called Twinsies. I'm looking it up. But, oh, Twinsters. Twinsters. Kind of the same kind of deal. Mm-hmm. We're kind of separated uh, uh, birth kind of thing, right? Yeah, I was thinking of that uh, Three Perfect Strangers that came oh, out a that couple years too. ago as well. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, this Found movie that sounds really cool. Uh, I might have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Writing it down so I can check it out. <laughs> Jordan, how about you, buddy? Um, I can talk about a movie I saw in sure. theaters Let's get into that. recently. Yeah. Uh, if we want to talk, we talk movies or I, we can go back and forth. It's all the same. It's yeah, all the screens, yeah, It doesn't right? matter. Jordan, uh, you're part of this now. You can do whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this was my second movie back in theaters post pandemic. Uh, Dune being the first one. We can talk Dune if you want. But of course. before we talk Dune, I want to talk The Last Duel, mm-hmm. um, which I really liked. And yeah. I didn't know, like, I, I don't know. I, I kind of kept myself away from some of the responses to it before I, I went into it. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was a really interestingly told story. I've, I've, either of you seen this or are interested yeah. in seeing it? 
Yeah, we both saw it. I, yeah. Rod, yeah, I think we've been, we both saw it. Okay, so um, loved it. Do you think it was okay? You loved it. Do you think it was like he he did the story justice? And do you think he like? I mean, because it seems like it would be easy to think like, okay, you're telling this story that's about mm. um, a horrible event that happens to a woman, and you're telling mm-hmm. it from the men's perspective. But of course, um, I don't know if this is spoilers for the the structure of the movie, but the movie's told in three parts. We get yeah. Um, basically the three different characters perspectives right. on what happens uh, or what happened. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really, really well done. I'd love seeing the different scenes play out with like subtle changes and changes, big changes. 100%. Um, I loved, uh, I, I'd like the score a lot. I thought it was really well shot. It was nice just seeing like a big, um, like an, it was almost like it had the big budget epic feel of, you know, a period million. piece in the 1300s in France, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was in the overall, like a pretty small story. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, yeah. you know, there wasn't self-contained 20 named characters. It was, uh-huh. it was pretty contained. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Uh, I, I thought um, it was kind of a return to form for Ridley Scott, who I find is one of those directors who will have an amazing movie and then he'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, he'll, he'll, he'll churn something out that is like, what did he do? The counselor? Bruh. <laughs> and then Prometheus? <laughs> Bruh. Well, no, I like Prometheus. It's uh, Alien Covenant. But anyway, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I like the, the structure of the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think one of the big um, highlights of that film is the little changes in perspective. Right. Even though maybe you were, you had an idea of whether or not, you know, Adam Driver did do it or not, right? Or was she leading him on maybe in the first half mm-hmm. and the second half you find out no spoiler alert. Oops. But yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the strongest parts of this film, the the screenplay, which is Mr. Ben Affleck, Mr. Matt Damon and Nicole Holofcener. Uh, Hol- Hol- yeah. Um, who wrote the, who did, um, shoot, he did, she did another film anyway, but yeah. Oh, can you ever forgive me? That was nominated for an Oscar as well. For mm. uh, best adaptive screenplay, but yeah, I think I loved it. Uh, Matt Damon's performance, though, amazing. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Matt Damon, but hey, this how, how about Ben on. as the Count? Oh, yeah. I liked Ben a lot. I thought he got to be goofy. He got to be stupid. He got to. Um, he stole the show when he was in those scenes. Like, I, yeah, uh, I was just fascinated with them. I think to me, Ben Affleck is fundamentally broken as an actor in that <laughs> I can't, he can't disappear in the role for me because all I see also like my Leo DiCaprio. Not even his. I'm not trying to criticize his acting, which I mean, you know, has been uh, kind of variable for many years. I just think that like all his meme work outside of of. <laughs> A movie takes his precedence movies. over over his acting in that you know, like I see him on screen and he's delivering like these these uh, you know important points in the movie, and all I can imagine is him smoking that cigarette outside his door. <laughs> like that's all or I can. Fumbling ever see. to hold on to all the coffees at once, or just like standing in or the, the ocean, looking into like with a towel around his waist. Like oh, unfortunately, I did find myself staring at his like blonde his goatee. goatee, and yeah. just like it was very distracting. But how'd you guys find uh, Jodie Comer? I like her. I thought she was fantastic. I like her a lot. uh, I haven't seen her. I've seen her in um, Killing Killing Eve, Eve. Mm -hmm. um, which is a a very different tone and style. So it was, uh, it was, it was nice to see her in this. Yeah. 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 I really liked her. Yeah. Um, I, well, maybe it's too early to tell, but House of Gucci comes out in, I think a couple of weeks and it's being destroyed. <laughs> it, it's not doing too well with the critics. A lot of people are, I mean, I, I would say it's mixed. 
and um, uh, you know Ridley is going to submit both of these films for the Oscars, but I feel like The Last Duel is probably going to be a better bet outside of maybe Lady Gaga um, for uh, House of Gucci. But I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, I have not seen it, but I have heard that accent. And if she is like a lead character in this movie, so that it's not going to be like, and this movie is (laughs) also like 16 hours apparently. Right. So it's It's not going to be like a short little like Lady Gaga in and out. Like she's carrying a big part of this movie. The vocal coach (laughs) uh, of this movie came out to say that Lady Gaga's accent is more Russian than Italian. And oh my like gosh. we're singing the praises of uh, Penelope Cruz or something. No, Sama Hayek. That, that's who's in Sama Hayek. And, Sama Hayek's in it too. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think this one, this, this other one's going to be a disaster. And I can't um, imagine like if we're trying oh, to Ridley. Take, like, I, I, to be honest, I, I am a homosexual man, so I'm a fan of Lady Gaga. But I think it was a stretch. I think, I think it was a stretch when we gave uh, her this much recognition for A Star is Born. And if we're going to do it again for this bad Italian accent. This is giving me Mario and Luigi. Like, this is <laughs> Chef Boyardee. Like, this oh is the level goodness. of Italian that I am getting from Lady Gaga. Oh, my God. Chris Pratt as Mario? Chris Pratt, Pratt as Mario, yeah. <laughs> um, so, we didn't... We, I feel like he didn't come up in either... Not that we've seen House of Gucci to talk about it, but Adam Driver, connecting point between both of oh, those. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, what do we think of him in, in The Last Duel? Because, I, I mean, I, I don't know. That guy has, a, like, a presence on screen. Like, I can't help but just yeah. be like... Wow, uh, I don't know. Even just from the time when I first saw him in Girls, the show, like yeah. every scene he's in, Still, I'm just like, like wow. what is up with this guy? I can't help but like, yeah. what's he going to do? <laughs> I think Adam Driver is a brilliant actor and he's incredibly captivating on screen. And yeah, it's funny because like off, like not acting, you know, like when you watch him like in interviews and so off and so on, like he's kind so of almost off putting. Like I don't yeah. want to see more of him. But when he's <laughs> when he's acting, like he's brilliant and, and uh, very like I wouldn't say charming because I don't think that's the vibe that he's going for, but just captivating more. So like, he draws your attention. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. magnetic. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Rod, would you rather see um, ten hours of uh, Lady Gaga playing uh, her character in the House of Gucci or ten hours of uh, Adam Driver doing interviews? Oh, no, 10 hours of Lady Gaga. I am getting stoned as fuck for that movie and I'm going to enjoy it, but I don't know that we should be giving her an Oscar for that accent. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's getting destroyed. Hopefully, um, Disney pushes the last duel a little bit more. It was a huge bomb at the box office, by the way. I'm just reading this now. It grossed 26 million against a production budget of 100 million. Yeah. And I get we're in pandemic times, but that hurts, mm-hmm. right? And uh, is it I the mean, end of the, the dad movie? Because it seems like the last <laughs> duel is like the perfect. Oh, your dad wants to see that movie? Like you're, you know, yeah. everyone, yeah. but maybe they're just not going out to the theater anymore. I don't know. Maybe streaming is just caught up oh, yeah, to the point uh, where. I like, don't think the last duel came out in streaming too. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe that did hurt it. But um, I also didn't see any ads for this at all. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, aside from like YouTube stuff or some uh, trailers, but it was not heavily marketed. House of Gucci is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is everywhere. Right. So, and you also have, again, Lady Gaga. Right. Uh, so. the, the, her line about like I am not a Taking particular out the trash? No, like where she's no. like, I'm oh. not a particularly fair woman. I can't remember what she says, but it's just like haunts, it's in that trailer everywhere. Yeah, I was like, bro, like what's happening Stop. here? Stop who, cho- this. who chose this? But we'll see. Father, son, house of Gucci. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh uh Rod, did you see anything? Uh, I think we watch Eternals together, but I don't know if you want to talk about Eternals. Yeah, I saw I've seen Eternals, which was like, eh, not great. Uh, I saw Train to Busan, which I really loved. I think it's an older First movie. First time? Though. Yeah, I'd never seen it until it came on Netflix oh, wow. recently. I saw it, It's got um, 
Don Lee, Don Lee from that's Eternals. in Eternals, and then has yeah. um, um oh, Squid you, Game like guy. the Squid Game guy, which yeah. he was, which also I also saw recently. If you, if you guys have not seen Squid Game, everyone's watched. Squid I saw Game, the Anthony buddy. Bourdain documentary Roadrunner. Roadrunner. I also saw the Adele concert one night only last Sunday. Uh, very excited for her upcoming album. <laughs> Uh, I saw Why the Last Man that has been canceled. I just wanted to briefly mention it. Midway through. I, w- I just wanted to mention it because I had announced that I think this would be a game changer for the comic book property. Oh, yeah. yeah. It will not I be. I remember is we, were, we were so excited about it. Yeah. Because I was... I was, a, Rod I was mean, only excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, I the have, thing is, I feel they recast the guy. The guy was very unlikable in the show. I think they should have never got... Like, Barry it, Kogan. It was Barry was Kogan originally, play, who yeah. was actually, again, tying up to the previous thing, the best Eternals. part of Eternals. Yeah. And so they definitely should have kept Yorick as Barry is what I think. And also mm-hmm. I, I'm currently watching American crime impeachment about uh, Monica Lewinsky's and Bill Clinton situation. Mm-hmm. And it is insane <laughs> to me. It is insane to me that Bill Clinton is still like uh, a person out there that is like, in, you know, <laughs> like, oh, okay. What? I think I know what you're saying. Like, um, <laughs> just so we can get on the record, what do you propose happens to like, we should do with, with Bill Clinton? Clinton? <laughs> the, I think they need to go to that Island uh, that Epstein has, and we should just destroy that entire oh Island. God. Take Prince Andrew with you too. If you're going to cancel me for all this shit, cancel it for all together. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to make sure that it was an layered buttered record of, um, uh, yeah. I don't think that was a threat to the life of an <laughs> ex-president, but it was something. It was in the ballpark. Yeah. I just think- but Is it good? You should have the decency of not uh, being out here speaking when you have this many situations. But uh, yeah, I enjoy it. It's good. I think Beanie uh, Feldstein, Feet, Feet, what's Feldstein? her last name? Feldstein? Jo- Jonah Hill's sister, cousin? Yeah, oh, I think it's Beanie Feldstein. Sister, cousin? Sister. Um, <laughs> she is good. Uh, Sarah Paulson as Linda Tripp is amazing. Like she is worth the price of admins. Uh, Linda Tripp is already Come a controversial on. figure, and Sarah Paulson <laughs> I think is brilliant. The one part that I will say that I dislike about the show is that a lot of the players that today exist were players back then in a different role. So, for example, um, Kellyanne Conway famously lying for President Trump. Her husband George Conway was one of the lawyers that was like kind of on the Republican side. Um, and Coulter was also one of these people like, uh, Jake Tapper briefly had a cameo and it's kind of like, they do a lot to say the full name of these people so that you know who they are. Yeah. And it's kind of like, maybe just let people Google who you meant. Like, it's not super important. And for people that are like, kind of like political fan fanboys, they will be able to Google that part. Like last time, uh, the guy that was recently Kavanaugh, he, he was, he was a, a, a play a small bit player in this, right? And now he's a Supreme Court justice. And like they go out of his way to say his full name so that you know who they're talking about. And like that part's a little bit distracting. But Sarah Paulson is amazing in this. I would definitely recommend. Sarah Paulson will always have a job as long as Ryan Murphy has a job. And she's great. Effects. Like, here's the thing. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. people. She's, there's a lot of people that kind of hitch their wagon to someone. And it's like, I don't understand how you're still employed. <laughs> Leah Michelle being one of them, too. Like, how is she out Wait, here? Wait, Leah Michelle? She's not in it. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, Leah Michelle oh, is this person general, okay. that is able to continue. Like, how is she out here uh, renewing Spring Awakening with the variety of, oh, like, yeah. bullying situations that she's doing? But anyway, but Sarah Paulson is great. <laughs> situation. Yeah. This is the raw thing. <laughs> the situation. <laughs> The Layered Butter Podcast is brought to you by another podcast. That's right. Your podcast is in another castle is everyone's favorite video game podcast, brand new podcast, uh, IGN Who, to be honest. Every week, join Jordan, Diego, and yours truly in a weekly adventure where we tackle the latest video game stories, answer all the important questions, and have some fun chatting with friends. No? 
Find your podcast is in Another Castle on all your favorite podcast places and uh, make sure to check them out on social media at Another Castle CA. Um, I recently watched, I don't know if you guys are into it, but uh, two musicals. I, I saw Come From Away uh, that was, uh, I guess, a production that was shot for uh, on Broadway for Apple TV. And I also watched Spike Lee's American Utopia, which is, um, man, David Byrne uh, of Talking Heads fame, which are both onstage musicals that they film for, you know, masses. I love them both. And I, it really got me thinking about, you know, wanting to go back to the theater and start watching shows again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of got me hyped for West Side Story. Mm-hmm. What about Tick, Tick, Boom? <laughs> Oh yeah, which is coming up this coming Friday too, which yeah. uh, Andrew Garfield's getting a lot of hype for. So the potential uh, Spider-Man Andrew Garfield, I guess we'll find out after this podcast is done when we went to the trailer. Yeah, because I think I think it's just premiering in LA yeah. at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean Eastern time. So uh, maybe we'll find out if he's finally in it, which we know he probably yeah, is. But he's anyway, 100 in it. Come on, come on. What did you think of the um, the filmed versions of those those stage productions? I I really liked it. Um, and I think I'd rather have a pro shot version of like come from away or even Hamilton. If you can't make it to the theater, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, there are like, for me, if there's a major musical, I'll just say Hades town, right? Which is a major musical on Broadway, but it's difficult for me to get to Broadway because I'm in Toronto and there's no touring production right now in COVID, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really want to listen to the music and while I can, I feel like it takes away from experiencing it the first time when you're seeing the visuals. So like a lot of my friends were listening to Hamilton long before they actually saw the show. That was right? me with Hamilton. Yeah. yeah see? Yeah. Um, and while that's fine, I, I, I kind of want to experience it as a whole. So I know where it's coming from mm-hmm. and I can judge it after. Right. And um, come from away is great. Um, uh, it was funny and it was, um, the music's fantastic. American Utopia, I feel like is a show that I would love just to be on like there present and just hear the music live because it's very interactive. So I'm totally down for more of these, um, film productions, right. Um, pro shot. And, you know, I remember watching spring awakening for the first time on YouTube and it was a film bootleg on a camera. Right. And they kept, you know, dodging, uh, uh, security. (laughs) <laughs> but that's the only way I could have experienced it at that time. Right. Yeah. And I really hope a lot of these productions go back pro shot Hamilton style, but I don't want it to be nominated for like golden globes stuff and Emmys. Cause that's not right. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> kind of in a weird a nebulous zone of like, they don't have a, a place to recognize them. Right. Yeah. Cause they're, no. you know, I think I, um, I think I might be seeing come from away this holiday season. Hey, uh, nice. It's not tickets not bought yet, so we'll we'll see. But I'm interested in that. Um, and I don't know anything about Tick Tick Boom other than that I've seen the Dude, title Jonathan of it. Larson. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the guy that created Rent. He basically had another musical that was very autobiographical, and so they've turned uh, that musical into a movie version. And at the same time, they must have layered some additional stuff because he did like, I, I think throughout the the whole, like the theme of the movie is how this man felt like time was running out and that he wanted to do something significant. And then he died shortly after uh, creating Rent before it even had like the first dress rehearsal, I think. So yeah, it, it's kind of hmm. about that part of, of his life. And this is uh, Lin-Manuel. Lin-Manuel first. directing Andrew Garfield as the lead. 
That's interesting. Uh, there's no Lin Manuel songs. It's all Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Which I th- I think I could be wrong because as I said famously, I think Lin Manuel is so overexposed. But hey, <laughs> let's see what happens with Tick Tick Boom. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I think that's what we've been watching so far. Uh, I I don't know if you guys want to add anything else before we move on. But if you guys have any other stuff on your list, you want to run through it real quick before we wrap up and just share your quick thoughts. Mm. Yeah. Quick thought, I'll say, uh, I really liked the last season of What We Do in the Shadows, that TV oh, show. I need to get into that. It's so I, much I mean, fun. I, I didn't uh, watch this, uh, the, the new season yet. Okay, Darn but you've it. seen the previous seasons? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That call-in episode? Hello. hello. I, I only <laughs> recently saw the, the, the movie. I had not seen what? it before, and then I watched oh, it, and I was like, uh, absolutely. You should, you should jump into the series. It's good. It took me, it took me a while to get into the series. Mm-hmm. I think I tried it, and I, I bounced off of it thinking that it was just... Oh, like a low quality version no, of the man. movie, but it's not, it's its own thing. And mm-hmm. it just, Taika and Jermaine are, are, are writers on it. I think they're mm-hmm. uh, still pretty, Jermaine does a lot of the um, directing still too. So he's always here in Toronto, always doing this, but yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Season three of that was great. It was fun to, Damn. it's just a fun, like, I don't know. It comes around once a year around Halloween and it's just yeah. a lot of fun. Um, what else? I don't know. Oh, Halloween Kills, disappointing. No Time to Die, meh. Uh, French Dispatch, okay. That's kind of... Is that one worth seeing? I feel like I was... French Dispatch? Yeah. If you like Wes Anderson, you will like the French Dispatch. It's an anthology film, right? Like it's a bunch of... Yeah. Um, Rod, did you end up watching it? I'm seeing it on Thursday, so I will let you know what I think. Yeah. I mean, if you like Wes Anderson, you will like this movie. If you don't like Wes Anderson, you will probably hate this movie. I like Wes I mean, Anderson, but I also think that a- we need to stop rewarding Wes Anderson for just being Wes Anderson, right? Like, let's demand a little bit more beyond symmetry and color. Mm-hmm. Or lack of color, I guess, this time. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's one story that I really, really liked mm-hmm. out of the French Dispatch. The other ones, I think, were okay. Um, but I, I feel like it would be exciting to see Wes do something completely different because all he's done is write quirky characters and quirky situations. Right? I, I did yeah. watch recently um, the Royal Tenenbaums and I'm like, this is so much better than I think like his more recent ones, which mm-hmm. are, are a lot mm-hmm. like it's almost like I'm focusing he's on that become, style. It's like a, an endless loop where he's kind of now becoming the most Wes Anderson thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at the beginning, it was kind of like he was mixing his voice with other voices and now it's like so distilled Wes Anderson. Yeah. I did also Uncut, watch the life too pure. It's too pure at this point. Like I need <laughs> yeah. to, I need to, so to, need to, to throw in some, some other shit back in so that it, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit, I think more palatable. I wonder I, if you could trace a similar thing that happened to Tim Burton, where it's like, he became famous for like first. a style mm-hmm. and then uh-huh. it just became like, okay, Tim, like <laughs> relax, buddy. Yeah. yeah you let's, good? let's explore outside the style. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, maybe, um, Wes Anderson just needs someone to just push him to just do something different, adapt a story that he didn't write mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I think you guys should go see it anyway. I think it's great. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you're right. I think the biggest thing about Wes Anderson is that it's too Wes Anderson. Right. And we need something different. But, yeah. And I mean, no. I guess if you like it, obviously you'll, you'll enjoy it. Right. But I mean, personally for me, I just, I think he has a very unique uh, style and unique voice, but I think like, I want to see him push, like I, I just don't want to reward him for that because he's already accomplished that. Because right? he's Wes Anderson. Yeah. yeah. It'd be yeah. like if uh, Tarantino did another Western mm-hmm. after the Hateful Eight, and we'd be oh, like, "All no. right, 
Tarantino, we get it. <laughs> like, it's too much. Yeah. You it. love this, like, please just Give do me a something horror else. Movie. I want a <laughs> horror movie from Quentin, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'll I think ever he wants to it. do a comedy, right? Did I read that? But somewhere? I mean, his, his movie's already funny. Like, I, I get it. Like, give me, give me something out. Like, I don't know. I feel like a uh, sci-fi film or a horror film would be so Both? fun for We should him. give him the reins to a Star Trek movie and tell him to make it I think a it, horror. Wasn't that a thing space? at one point? <laughs> it was, yeah. He was in talks. Or, we talk. need to invite like Quentin Tarantino, Chris Nolan, like all these people, give them like a fishbowl <laughs> where they put in like their keys of their genre and then they each pull out like a new genre to go like for the year to take home. Tarantino. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Nolan doing a horror film. Bruh. Like yeah. a big budget. I, I want to see uh, Nolan direct a movie written by Tarantino, so that like Ooh. the characters' dialogue actually like <laughs> has life behind it. But <laughs> oh man, and maybe vice versa. I don't know what the the other way around would would be kind of neat too. For sure, <laughs> we need some mixing and matching. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think uh, Jordan. Was there anything else you want to chat about? Or? Uh, the only other thing to end on a positive note: this past okay. Halloween, I watched uh, Over the Garden Wall. For the first time, I've never um, seen it. it and that's well, it's me. a it's a very it's a small. Um, I guess there's like six parts to it, and each part is like ten minutes. It's about an hour long, maybe an hour and a half. Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon? Uh, uh, I think it was like Cartoon Network, and I think it was. Uh, I, I don't have the stuff pulled up about it, but I think it was the first major product or project of um, by the creator of Adventure Time. Oh, um, oh wow! But anyway, it's a really neat little story. It's the perfect like Halloween story. I, I, I was, this was recommended to me years ago and I just didn't watch it, but yeah. now I watched it this year and it's, I'm going to watch it every October for the rest of my life. Cause oh, it wow. was really, it was really fun. It was, um, each, each ep story is like episodic. Um, the main characters are, uh, Elijah Wood plays the older brother. And then there's a little brother who's voiced by an actual child and he's hilarious. <laughs> and like, there's all kinds of, um, great voice actors that pop in Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry, um, oh wow! The list goes on, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, it was like the perfect blend of um, spooky childhood fear, like things actually got a little bit scary here and there, but in that way that's like appropriate for children, but right. still, like even adults are like, "Oh, that was that was mm-hmm. alarming and weird." Yeah, um, but yeah, it was perfect. Each episode has songs, and oh, um, nice. I, I feel like you could go through this series and just get like an endless number of um, October appropriate like desktop backgrounds by just pausing it like right. here and there. So uh, don't watch it now, but next September, end of September, next October, put this on. Yeah. And yeah, I think I might try to pick up uh, the Blu-ray of it because this is one I want to own. Interesting. If you, See, I, if I you watch that. it next year, Jordan, remind me because I will watch yeah. it. Yeah, I will. I, I, I love the fact that you're saying don't watch it now, watch it during this time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that adds to the mood. Entire thing. Yeah. We got to put a alarm on this for next year. A reminder. Remind me. I'll put it <laughs> in my calendar right now. Remind. Nice. <laughs> over the garden <laughs> wall reminder. <laughs> for the podcast, guys. All right. So, you know, I, I think uh, we got through a lot today. Don't you think, trio friends? Yeah. Wait, trio so, friends. Or I guess you're the trio. Three of yeah, I guess. What you want me to say, duo? Is that weird? Well, because no. no. I mean, I think you're implying you have three friends, whereas you have two friends. You're the third. So friend. I guess I'm the third one. Yeah. Okay, friends. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you gotta leave it you gotta that. love yourself too, right? That's true. So you can't. <laughs> if you cannot can't, be friends with yourself, a hundred percent. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for coming along with us again. This is the first episode of season two. 
Um, if you guys haven't yet, please check out our TIFF uh, episode that we released a couple weeks ago. It's kind of under the radar, um, but uh, we watch a bunch of films there that uh, I think that are going to make a splash this festival season. So hopefully you'll stick around with us as per usual for the next season of Layer Butter. We'll be coming at you every su- Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, um, where you guys find your podcast. So again, you can reach us uh, at Layer Butter uh, on Instagram. Uh, um, check out our website, layerbutter.com. And you can find me, uh, Raphael, on um, Letterbox, J. Raphael. Uh, Jordan, anywhere we can find you? Yeah, you can find me. NFL. Look me up on Letterbox, J. Sloggett, two G's, two T's. Nice. Rod. Before I say that, Jordan, I feel like, have I mentioned this? Babe is one of my favorite movies. And the fact that your last name is Sloggate always brings me a certain amount of joy. Also, that man is in succession, and I didn't realize until like midway through. James like, Cromwell. Yeah, I was oh, like, did you the- catch? There's a little there's a little reference to Babe. I did see it recently. What did it, what did he say? I think to Greg, he says something like that'll do. That'll do, yeah. To like end the conversation. Like, yeah. Um it's funny you say that. I think this was like not on like our my first date with my wife, but like early in the relationship with my wife, she said something like Oh, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Babe, and your last name always reminds me of Farmer. What's his name? Farmer um, Hoggett. Farmer Hoggett. Two G's, two T's. Yeah. I'm sure the Hoggets and the Sloggets probably go way back. (laughs) Yeah. Unaffiliated with the the farmer from Babe. As you're saying this now, I'm like, I love love this movie. I should add it to like my top four of letterbox because i think it is wow i think it is like i rewatched this like last year and i watched it the year before that and i'm like every time i still fucking enjoy this movie i should (laughs) rewatch babe this holiday season yeah that seems like a wholesome thing to do it is it's great oh i love putting it it in the calendar as well my calendar is just filling up (laughs) with movies anyway sorry for interrupting where you can find it (laughs) he explained you can find him on letterbox you can find me everywhere at r cockting c-o-k-t-i-n-g all the social media. You can find me on Letterboxd too. And uh, I made a list of movies I want to see end of this year, early next year. So I'll probably be pretty active posting some reviews. Nice. Yeah. So thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys at the movies. Bye. <laughs>